Welcome to Stories After Midnight. The story we will be reading today is part of the Harmony Care Home series. This story is called, I visited a care home and there's something wrong with the resident in room 358. A huge shout out before we get started to my patrons. I just really appreciate you and your generosity for helping make this episode possible. Let's get started. I wake up to a kiss. Now, normally, I'm not too fussy about who I kiss. Ask me about my preferences and I'll tell you. Generally girls, but hey, I'll boink the copy machine if it's warm enough. On this occasion, the smooch is a whiskery one. And hey, not my favorite, but if I'm drunk enough, sometimes I'll be surprised with who I lock lips with. There is no amount of drunkenness, however, that can explain the most fishy surprise that slithers into my mouth, and I scream for two reasons. One, sharing my bed is a cat. I do not own a cat. Number two, the cat has just French kissed me. And from the way he yowls like a jilted lover when I fling him, this cat clearly thinks I owe him affection, which is weird since I repeat, I do not own a cat. The weirdness is compounded by the bowl of kibble I kick over as I stumble to the bathroom to scrub out my mouth, only to find the grit of cat litter under my bare soles. What the hell? Did someone break into my crappy little apartment to give me, check the name tag, Prometheus here? Along with all his cat accoutrements? He rolls his big furry head into my palm when I'm checking his collar. His whole body is vibrating. Okay, buddy. Cute. But how did... Oh, this is the moment I notice I've got messages on my phone from someone named Darlene. Darlene's from my old life, back when I was pulling every scam imaginable from stealing cars to stealing identities. In Darlene's case, I convinced her to send me a bunch of money to help me rescue cats who didn't exist. And based on these texts, Darlene reached out three days ago asking me for help getting Prometheus here to the vet. And apparently, I, Jack the Catfisher, decided to actually become Jack, the cat rescuer. Yep, con man with a heart of gold, that's me. And, okay, look, looks like I did inflate the vet bill a little to turn a profit on the reimbursement. Old habits, am I right? Anyway, I'm not sure why I kept her cat for three days, but this fluffy guy is clearly catching feelings, so it's time to take him back to her at uh, Harmony Home Care. It's not until I crest the hill and come in view of the massive brick building covered in vines that a tingle of deja vu creeps into my bones. Prometheus, in the carrier next to me, has gone quiet. Dead quiet. When I look in, there is no cat. I squint, angling to peer through the grated door. He has crouched himself as flat as he possibly can. A pancake cat. Nothing but an orange rug and two wide and utterly terrified eyes. Huh. I step out of the car, weird how in my memory this place has a warm and happy glow. Pastels and floral patterns and a smiling Darlene in a hokey sequined sweater, like on her cat, Rescue Instagram. But now that I'm actually here beneath the faded sign, Harmony Care Home, caring, compassionate, harmonious senior living. Painted yellow daisies dot the border, the paint peeling and curling like dead skin, while streaks of black grime render the slogan nearly ineligible. While streaks of black grime render the slogan nearly illegible. 
The massive brick institution looming just beyond looks more haunted mansion than senior living center, with vines strangling the crumbling walls and one wing at the brink of collapse, its bricks charred and windows shattered. I check my GPS. Below the Google map, the reviews rave. Five stars, 11 out of 10, bingo night. Were the reviewers writing about this same place? A chill sinks into my marrow as I note the address. Checking the mileage reveals I've done the long drive out here multiple times. When I open the notes app on my phone, I discover that I have literal reams of research about Harmony Care Home. Very disconcerting research about abused patients, bodies improperly disposed of, and stranger, more disturbing claims. Most of which I find in pics I've taken of a logbook by a nurse named Kendra Jones. Stuff like Room 201, Bernadette Smythe, Deceased 831. Death expected given her terminal condition, but staff insist she is alive. I've been instructed to continue administering medications. The pills pile up in her throat. Room 306. Sobs and pleas for help behind the door have knocked and inquired if anyone needs help. No response, but the cries persist. Checked records. There is no resident in 306. Room 358. Jacob Mortimer, deceased. However, when mortuary workers arrived to claim body, body went missing. Body has since reappeared in different locations, bathrooms, commons area. Checked records. Jacob Mortimer, listed as living. Whereabouts currently unknown. According to my notes, Kendra was dismissed from her position on October 19th due to unprofessional behavior. October 20th, she checked into room 306 as a resident, and as of the past several weeks, she's been listed as a missing person. Okay, between my amnesia and the research, this is all sounding fishier than Prometheus's morning breath. The kind of fishy that past experience has taught me better than to mess with. And yet, here I am, clearly messing. Given a series of personal instructions I've written to myself, stuff like, Jack, write everything before you forget. Don't bother with photos. Camera only records audio. If Darlene's family and the cops are affected by whatever mucked with my memory, no wonder this place is still running despite the egregious violations. I see from my call history that I have contacted the police twice in the past three days. My last set of instructions, underlined and bolded and dated for today, reads, 1. Keep your phone recording. 2. Find a way to break the illusion. 3. Get Darlene out. I'm sorry, only family may visit, says Lolita, the pretty blonde staffer at the check-in desk. I try to tell her I'm here with Darlene's cat, hoisting up the carrier with its terrified occupant. But she interrupts me to inform me I am not welcome after my previous visits, claiming I went poking into residents' rooms and that items have gone missing. Her fingers stray toward the phone. Okay, okay, I raise a hand in surrender. But can I at least use the restroom since it was such a long drive? Lolita looks dubious but points me down the hallway. Thanks, Lolita. As I start down the hall with Prometheus, I glance back over my shoulder to the wide-open common area, packed with old folks milling around, the air thick with that stale nursing home smell. Everything from the clatter of coffee cups to the inaudible chatter seems pretty ordinary. 
but I can't shake the dread curdling in my belly like spoiled food, a deep, soul-shaking sense of wrongness. As I pass a bookcase with a vase full of dusty silk flowers, I can remember the color of the flowers, but I'm struggling to bring to mind the actual events of my earlier visits. Lolita's probably not lying about things going missing. I've been known to have sticky fingers, but why, but why can't I remember? I debate trying to sneak up the staircase to Darlene's room, but since I feel Lolita's blue eyes on me, I duck into the men's room. The moment I push open the door, a horrific stink rolls over me. It's this ghastly reek of crap and piss and Febreze all mingling with the buzzing of flies and a whiff of something fetid. Did someone forget to clean the toilet? There's a urinal and a single handicapped stall. I gag and hold my nose as I set Prometheus's carrier down by the sink. When I push the stall door, it's locked. Risk a glance down and yep, someone's in there with trousers around their legs. Only a chill crawls from the roots of my scalp to the base of my spine. At the bottom of the filth-spattered porcelain throne, flies buzz around bare feet. It looks as if all the blood is pooled down there around the ankles. The skin bloated and splitting like an overripe fruit. The toenails are black and it's like Gerard all over again. The memories come tumbling back. It seems as if the toilet's occupant died in there and has been left decomposing for several days. For a second, my thoughts spin on the fight, flight, or freeze dial. It takes a few moments for my racing heart to settle. I take a picture before remembering it's pointless. Yep, it comes out black. Are the residents actually alive? Should I investigate this guy in the toilet? Um, no? Yeah, I'm not sure where that thought came from. I turn to leave. Hey, calls a voice from the stall. The hairs on my nape stand on end. Uh, yeah? I glance over my shoulder. You, uh, are you okay in there? Can you hand me a fresh roll? I'm out. There's a toilet paper roll on a shelf, which I grab, squat down and look at the space beneath the stall. The legs have not moved. Nothing has moved. There's no hand dropping down by those legs to reach for the paper. And I have never seen legs that shade of purple, that splotchy, on any living human being. The voice again. Can you hand me the TP? I mean, bro. I narrow my eyes at the stall, and then roll the paper so it bounces across the floor and perfectly bumps into those purple legs. What you gonna do, dead guy, maybe ghost? Nothing happens. The man on the toilet seems 100% dead. No sounds at all, except for the buzzing flies. I move to leave. There's a figure looming behind me. Ah! I scream, but it's just an old man. One of the residents who ignores me and walks right by and goes to the urinal. Then there's the sound of a toilet flushing from inside the stall rustling in the slap of bare feet. Why is the dead guy barefoot? The metallic bang of the lock sliding open. I scurry out before the owner of those blotchy legs can thank me for the TP. Lolita's no longer at the front desk, so I swing round to the staircase to head up to Darlene on the second floor. She'll be so glad to see me. Oh. Oh no. I forgot the cat. Of course he's gone when I return to the men's room. Of course. Now, before you berate me over such a rookie mistake, listen, I'd like to see you access the higher functions of your brain when only a wobbly stalled door separates you from a putrefying corpse.
that has just clicked the lock open and is shambling on its rotten bare feet toward you. Which I actually believe now was a trick, because when I play back the recording from the encounter on my phone, there is no voice, nor any flushing toilet or clicking lock. And when I look in there for Prometheus, the corpse is still on the porcelain throne as if having never shambled. Dang it! Losing Prometheus feels like the worst mistake of my life. And that's saying a lot because I have made so many mistakes in my life. There was that time during COVID when I sold reusable N95 masks that were neither reusable nor N95s. Or that other time I collected donations for disaster relief. Or, you know what? You probably don't need a whole list. It's enough for you to know that, karmically, I'm likely to return as a cockroach. And it's because of all of these mistakes that at the time seemed a way to make a quick buck. Among other things, I scammed an innocent, sweet older lady named Darlene out of her savings to rescue fake cats. But I also helped her rescue her real cat, and am hoping to rescue her. And on some level, it's like, if I can make up for the bad stuff I've done to the one person, if I can do this one good thing, maybe I won't come back as a cockroach? Irrational? I mean, yeah, obviously. But however badly you think of me now, and that list of mistakes was pretty incomplete, not gonna lie, you're about to think a whole lot worse. See, none of my previous mistakes hold a candle to the one I'm about to make. Oh, telling a lie here would be so much better. Heck, with the amnesia, I might even believe it myself. How about it, Jack? Wanna wake up tomorrow and like yourself? Wanna look in the mirror and see a guy who's made good choices? Ah, oh, who am I kidding? I'd never fall for that. Besides, if I'm going to go making some big mess up, the least I can do is own it. So, what is this mistake, you ask? It all starts when one of us, Lolita or me, I can't remember which, calls the police. This happens after I've escalated by threatening Lolita that I will burn this crap hole to the ground if she doesn't return my cat. She replies with big scared eyes that if I don't calm down, she'll have to summon the nurse to escort me to a quiet room to lie down until I feel better. Her comment sends my heart like a machine gun, and even though I know that I'm just one sedative away from having my name shuffled from the visitor to the resident list, oh man, oh man, I am a mess. I'm not even on anything, but I feel like I'm all cracked out and I cannot bring myself down. Fortunately for me, the cops show up before the nurses do. Lolita tearfully tells the police I'm harassing the residents, and I tell them there's a guy on the toilet who's unresponsive. The unresponsive park piques their concern, and I lead them to the men's room, all the while explaining the research I've collected about Harmony Care Home, including Kendra's log and the missing person report. As before, the smell just about knocks me over. I cover my nose, and the two officers, a man and a woman, wrinkle up their faces. Flies buzz, wings whirring the air reeking of methane. The male cop, whose name is Fitzroy, clears his throat and says, Uh, sir, are you all right in there? Silence. Sir, repeats Fitzroy. Flies. Purple legs. It's all there. Even the toilet paper is still in the exact same position rolled against those legs. Sir. Officer Fitzroy knocks on the stall door. It swings inward. Apparently it wasn't locked very well. 
He pokes his head in, then quickly ducks out. Sorry, sir, he babbles, grinning sheepishly. We had reports that you might be in some trouble. Are you okay in there? Cocks his head, listening, and I check my phone to make sure I am recording. Officer Fitzroy's head nods and he says, oh, You got it, sir. Sorry for the disturbance. Gives me a hard look and motions me to follow him out. Reprimands me while his partner goes to speak with Lolita. I play the recording back for him, pointing out how there's only his voice and nothing from the unresponsive guy. But he just says the microphone didn't pick it up because the guy in the toilet was too far away. Only I'm not listening anymore because right there on the recording... Just after Officer Fitzroy says sorry for the disturbance, there comes a soft and pitiful mew, almost inaudible. My gaze drifts to the front desk, to Lolita babbling to the female officer, and her eyes meet mine, and her lips curl up in a smile, and, oh, I lose it. All terror washes away, and in that void where the fear used to be is only a desire to blow everything up, even if I kamikaze myself in the process, and while normally I am both hopelessly self-centered and shamelessly prone to self-preservation, read cowardly, it doesn't matter anymore how reckless I'm being, because I'm going to make them pay. Now, right now, I'm going to break the illusion. I've only got a few minutes before the police finish up their conversation with Lolita, and once they're gone, so is my chance to return a spotlight on the horrors of Harmony Care Home. Back in the men's room, I push the stall door, but it jingles futilely, locked. I drop down to peer under the stall, body still there, as before, tangling with something like this without really knowing how it operates is an easy way to end up dead, or in my previous case, in a coma, and I haven't made a complete study of this place, nor do I have the confidence that I know its rules. Even so, I can think of two plausible ways to break the illusion. One is to have the resident attack me and the police intervene. My hunch is that touch, much more than sight or sound, reveals the truth. That the illusion is mostly for our eyes and ears. The cop already reacts to the smell, after all. And if Officer Fitzroy grabs a rotting corpse during a physical altercation, he'll probably notice the rotting. The other option is Harmony Care Home's influence has a limited range. The interference with my cell phone, for example, only extends about a thousand feet from the building. So what happens if I bring a resident, or a piece of one, outside the bounds of the care home? I bet if I sent a tow from dead legs here to the cops for forensic analysis, the results would be interesting. It might draw attention to Harmony Care Home. It would be hard for it to stay running then, wouldn't it? The only reason it's still operating is because it's in the authority's blind spot. I slip a knife out of my pocket and reach under the stall, heart slamming my ribs like a sledgehammer as I growl, give me back my cat. My skin is cold and slick like a slab of meat under my grip. Oh my god, the smell. Gagging through the sleeve held over my nose, I slide my knife across that splitting purple foot, press the blade into the toe and it squelches in congealed liquid spurts. A hand shoots out and grabs my wrist. And even knowing this would happen, duh, inevitable, right? Still, I shriek and drop my knife. No! Grabbing that arm and trying to pry myself loose, and then to my horror, it yanks me under the stall. No, no, no. 
What's going on here? Booms a voice. And oh god, I have never been more grateful for the popo as I'm slammed up against the tile. The thing on the toilet reaching with its other hand for my neck and... Good gracious, its face. The eyes and lips are gone. Its sockets all flies and maggots and liquefying flesh. On its wrist is a bracelet in alphabet letters, like the sort of gift a grandchild might make for their aging relative, spelling J-A-C-O-B. And I'm pretty sure it's Jacob Mortimer who has me choking under the grip of his rotting fingers. And then Officer Fitzroy is barking, Let him go! Let him go! Now! And then I'm being lifted, my vision blackening. I don't even feel myself fly through the air, just the impact as I hit the wall and my head rings with a bang. Gunshots? I'm not even certain. But on the officer's face is horror. Sheer horror, and he's shouting, What the hell? What the hell? And unloading the entire clip into that body on the toilet. Because the illusion is broken. He sees it now. He sees it. And then Jacob Mortimer lunges forward, grabbing him and jamming fingers into his eyes, and oh my goodness. I'm screaming and screaming, and then I'm scrambling out of the toilet and into the hall and pounding down the hallway to the lobby. The second officer, the woman, draws her weapons and radios for backup, and then rushes to the toilet. Lolita stands at the front desk with her lips in an O oh of shock, hand to her mouth. I think I'm crying. I did not mean to get that officer killed. I did not. I did not. I can't even breathe. Oh, Jack, breathe. And then, as I'm finally catching my breath, cop lady comes out and her face is serene, like she's relieved and even laughing a little as she radios and tells the others to forget it. Jimmy, Officer Fitzroy, is fine. False alarm. It's that same guy in his pranks again. Ran in there and screamed, apparently, and Jimmy thought it was an emergency and rushed in to save him. Am I still recording? Record everything. She comes over and gives me a stern talking to, warning me about how pulling any further stunts like this will be risking arrest, and that I need to leave these old folks alone. I don't answer, just stare, gasping. And finally, a last-ditch effort, I ask, Can I speak with Officer Fitzroy? I tell her I want to make a statement to him. She smirks and shakes her head and goes back and enters the men's room again, and I hear her call out to Fitzroy that, that Jack guy wants to speak with you. I'll be in the car. Keep recording, Jack. And then she leaves. She goes out to her squad car. When my heart finally stops racing, a sing-song voice calls out to me from the front desk. Which one do you want? Huh? The horror in my soul deepens. The dread suffusing my body so I can scarcely breathe, scarcely hear her impossible next words. Which one do you want back? The cat? Or the cop? Which do I... Oh. Oh no. Oh no. I stare at her and can feel myself disassociating. My brain can't process. How can I make a choice like that? How can there be a choice like that? The cat, I whisper. I can't explain, but he's the one thing Darlene loves. And I brought him into danger, and the police? They've sworn to serve, but the cat's just a cat, and I was responsible for him. Oh man, I, I am such a bad person. Such a horrible, 
awful, terrible person. Outside, the cop car pulls out of the parking lot and drives away. She just left? Without her partner? Lolita beams at me and I scrub the tears from my face and get up and stumble into the men's room to see what has become of Officer Fitzroy. Jacob Mortimer's body is gone. There is no one in the stall. My knife is gone from the floor. I find it when my eyes sweep the bathroom. It's there, in Officer Fitzroy. His body lies against the wall, mouth open in a scream of horror, face contorted in fear, the knife handle sticking out of his mouth and through his throat. I clap a hand across my lips, step back from the door. But then that inner voice whispers, Jack, the knife has your prints. So I grab it by the handle and have to hold his skull to wrench it out. Excuse me, officer. I mumble and hear someone giggling nearby and whoever he is, he sounds really unhinged. From behind me, a faint mew. I snatch up Prometheus's carrier, back at the car, open the carrier to check him over. Big guy is fine, traumatized, but fine. Squirms when I hug him too hard. You lucky little guy, I whispered. By any moral measure, the choice I've made is the wrong one. And you know, I don't even like cats, but I'm just so relieved to have him back, have him and his terrible fishy French kisses. I laugh hysterically, and the fluffy guy, the fluffy guy throws back his whiskery face and howls. We're both here howling and I laugh so hard I'm crying. I can't stop, can't tell which anymore, crying or laughing. But thank God for the amnesia, so tomorrow I can wake up and look at myself in the mirror, and at least until I read this, not know what an idiot I am. That's it. I really hope you enjoyed this story. I think it's going to be a great one. Uh, if you did, and you're on YouTube, I'd love it if you liked the video uh, or subscribe. Either or is cool. Maybe we can uh, stick it to the algorithm and say, hey, maybe these stories aren't so bad and maybe people would enjoy them. Uh, if you're on YouTube, or sorry, if you're anywhere else, uh, I don't know what your options are, but hey, I just appreciate you listening. I appreciate you being here and working your way through this series with me. And a huge shout out to my Patreon members for helping make this episode possible. Uh, if you'd like to send me a story, you can at storiesaftermidnight.com. There's a link there that you can follow and it'll take you to a form to fill out and then you can send it my way. Uh, so I guess there's no, no other things I want to say. So with that said, I'll see you in the next part.